by the way. Got home late one night and everyone was asleep and, and uh, I went to get something out of the fridge and uh, the fridge was off. Is my PowerPoint available, Malk? Yeah. The, fr the fridge was off and the, the freezer was off and, and in fact all the electrical appliances in the house were off including the, the bedside alarm clock and so we didn't know what time it was in the morning. My phone wouldn't charge, my iPod wouldn't charge, etc. So I went to the fuse box and there was a switch that was, that was up. Should it be down? I don't even know. It, was, it wasn't where it should be, so I flicked it, and it just flicked back to where it shouldn't be, and I tried a few times, it started sparks, so I thought I'd better leave that. Um, <laughs> so I went to bed and there was no power, and in the morning we, we worked out that one of the rabbits, if not both of them, had chewed through um, a, a power lead so badly that the whole of the power, of, uh, the, it affected all these things, that it's completely just uh, broken. So we had just, all, we, all we did was unplugged it, and then everything worked again, that, that was fine. But I'm just wondering, has anyone tried rabbit pie? <laughs> no? I want to remind us this morning that, that heaven, um, unlike our house, never gets any power cuts. There are no rabbits in heaven. Is there a link there? I don't know. But <laughs> every day is Easter, isn't it? We celebrated Easter last week. We celebrate Easter this week. Every day is, is Easter. And because through the resurrection power of God, Jesus is risen. And, and his resurrection power is always, always for us. Constantly it's for us who believe. His resurrection power is always for you. God doesn't shut off his power and say, sorry, not today, I've got rabbits. His, his power is always for you. Always. And so the potential of knowing the resurrection power of the risen Christ was never meant to be limited to Sunday mornings. Because we've also got a Sunday evening service which you're all welcome to, but as well as that, the Christian life is just that. It's the Christian life, not just the Christian day. God's resurrection power is available every single day, every moment of every day of your life. And last week, Resurrection Sunday, I spoke from verse 19 and 20 of Ephesians 1, and this week we're looking at verse 21. So let's read 19 and 22, 21, shall we? The, the uh, scripture will be on the screen as well. So there it is. So Paul is praying that the Ephesian Christians would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come." And so not only did the resurrection power of God raise Jesus from the dead, but the resurrection power of God raised Jesus to the right hand of the Father, which is where he is right now, in that place of supreme power, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. The name of Jesus is above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Jesus is above all. And this morning, the question that I want to ask you, and hopefully at some point answer, is what difference should that make to my life? Jesus is above all, so what? What difference should that make? And it's really important that we stay awake for this, that our eyes are open and that you're looking at me. Great. I wasn't, ever, I wasn't a teacher, was I? But this is, come on, it, it, it's good to know why it's important for us. Jesus is above all. Because you may well this morning be going through some tough times, but Jesus is above all. What difference does that make to me in those tough times? You know, it's not God's intention that we are in denial. 
about the tough areas in our lives. Church is not meant to be a place where we come in and pretend that everything is fine. Thank you for asking. I'm fine. How are you? So what difference does it make to our lives that Jesus is above all? But before I answer that question, let's look at this verse a bit closer. Christ is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And this verse tells us a few things. Firstly, and most importantly, this verse tells us that Christ is God. He's God. A commentator says of this verse, he says, what, Of what mere mortal could it be said that he sits above all rule and authority and power and dominion, not only in this world, but in that which is to come? That is only the place that God could take. Jesus Christ is God. He is God. 100% God. But secondly, this verse tells us that Christ is above all powers. He is greater than all powers. He rules over all powers. He is in control and he is completely sovereign over all powers. There's a lot of discussion in, in books and on the internet on, on the exact meaning of the words rule and authority and power and dominion. But for this morning, I think it's enough to say that Christ is above all military power, he is above all economic power, he is above all political power. Christ is above the nuclear weapons of South Korea, North Korea even. Let's have a click, there we go, click, 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 and again, there he is, above, above all those things, there he is. Christ is above the nuclear power of North Korea, he is above the debt of the UK, which a couple of hours ago, we were in that much debt. He's above that. He's above all economic power. He is above your bank balance as well, which is good news, isn't it? And he is above Vladimir Putin. He is above, above Donald Trump. He is above Theresa May. He's above all political power. And, and even greater than that, Christ is also above the rule and power of the devil. Christ is greater than the devil. Did you know that? He is greater than the devil. And, it, and it's, it's actually wrong to say that the devil is the opposite of God. That's not true. The devil is not the opposite of God. God and the devil, they're not two superpowers, one good superpower and one bad superpower. That's not true. God is the only superpower. And the devil is nowhere near anything like God. Compared to the authority and power of God, the devil is like a tiny speck of dust. Because the devil is a, the devil is a created being. He's not all-powerful, he's not all-knowing, and he can only be in one place at one time. Do not confuse the devil with God. He is nothing like God on any level. It is, however, true that the enemy has got power. The devil and his demons have got a certain level of authority in this world, and they run riot in it to some extent, and we just got to watch the news to figure that out. But when Christ rose from the dead, he won the victory. He won the victory over the enemy. The devil thought that he'd won when Jesus was crucified, but Jesus rose again on the third day, and the devil was defeated. He defeated death, he defeated sin, he defeated the enemy, and that means that because we are in Christ as Christians, we are in him, we live in his victory. We as Christians are no longer under the authority of the devil. We're under the authority of Christ, and we share his victory over the enemy. It's a great little anecdote, I'm sure you've all heard it before, about Smith Wigglesworth, the great plumber from the even greater town of Bradford, whom God used in incredible healing miracles and even bringing 
people back from the dead. And this, this little quote is taken from an account of his life. He says, on one occasion, Wigglesworth awoke during the night aware of a satanic presence. Looking across the room, he saw the devil himself standing there. And Wigglesworth said to Satan, oh, it's only you. And turned over and went back to sleep. It's only you. And it's true that the enemy attacks. And it's really important to not give him any footholds, to try to live pure lives, clean lives. And Paul commands us in, in Ephesians 6 to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might and to put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. But the very reason we can stand against the enemy is because Christ is above the enemy. He is above Satan. We don't have to be defeated by him because we're in Christ and Christ has defeated the enemy. He's above all evil. Thirdly, this verse in Ephesians 1.21 tells us that Christ is above every name that is named in this age and the one to come. The word name here is not like our word for name. My name is David. There's another person here called David. He's trying to work out what language I'm speaking right now. <laughs> There's another person here called David. There's at least three of us called David, but we're completely different. Our names are the same, but we're not the same in character. We're not the same in personality or purpose or calling. And so the word name here is not talking about what name Jesus is known by, but rather it's representative of all that he is, of all that his name is. The Bible tells us that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow. But there are plenty of people in this world called Jesus, or at least Jesus. So does that mean we go around bowing to those people because they've got the same name? No, it's not the name of Jesus. It's, it's everything that he is. The name Jesus, he is God. Jesus is the supreme king of kings. He's the saviour of the world. And when we bow at his name, the name of Jesus, we bow to his authority, to his character, to his perfection. We submit ourselves under his rule and reign. And how dare anybody try to rise up against him or make themselves more significant than him? We bow to him. Because, you know, Lucifer tried to raise himself up against Jesus and he fell. He was cast out of heaven. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble, and we cannot get low enough before God, spiritually, <coughs> physically, mentally. It's our right and proper place to be as low as we can before him in complete awe and reverence because Jesus is above all. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. He's above all. Above all evil, above all sin, above the enemy. The name of Jesus is above all other names. Let's read this verse together, shall we? 1 Chronicles 29, 11. Let's read it together in a big voice. Ready? Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth are yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Praise God. The Lord is exalted as head above all. He is high and lifted up. There's no other name that is higher. Jesus is as high as lifted up and lifted up as he possibly can be. He cannot get any higher, and yet he is the one who went as low as it's possible to go. Let me read you from Philippians 2. Paul writes, Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself 
by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus humbled himself far lower than anyone has ever humbled themselves before. And this is incredible, because when we read this verse in Colossians, Jesus' humility is even more shocking. Paul writes, by him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, through Jesus, and all things were created for him. And so this perfect, holy, flawlessly beautiful creator of the universe not only left heaven and became a man, and that was a massive thing in and of itself, but he was mocked. He was slapped, he was beaten, he was spat on, he was nailed to a cross, the creator of the universe. And even worse than that, he became sin. He who knew no sin was made sin. And nobody has ever experienced such a humbling as that, and nobody ever will. And this is really the clincher, that Jesus wasn't humbled by anybody, but he humbled himself. He did it. He did it. He went to the cross. He put himself through all that, and it was the purpose of God. It wasn't an accident. We're not to feel sorry for him. He chose to do it, and he's worthy of our worship because he did it for us. The highest of the high became the lowest of the low. And because of that, therefore, God has highly exalted him. And he, he alone is worthy of being highly exalted, nobody else, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, who did all that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He's high and exalted above all. He became low for you. He was raised up to life for you. He's now sitting at the Father's right hand, interceding for you. And he did it for your freedom. He did it for your joy. He did it for your peace. He did it for your eternal life. He did it so that you could know the Father so intimately. He's above all. So again, what difference should that make to our lives when so many of us Christians have got problems so much that is causing us stress and anxiety and pain and heartache. And I'm sure that some of you know that by now that being a Christian doesn't mean that you're exempt from problems. Did you know that? In fact, your problems might increase as Christianity gets less and less popular and Christians become more, was it ever popular? And Christians become more and more ostracized. Our problems are likely to increase. Happy face. <laughs> So how can Christ being above all make a difference? Some of us are in tough circumstances and we're asking the question, why God? Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this to happen? If you are so all-powerful, if you are above all, why is this happening? And we would give almost anything to see these circumstances resolved. And, it, and it's right to want that. And it's also important, by the way, that we find someone to talk to in church about that, to share the burden with, someone who will pray with us about that. Not just to put on a brave face and say, yes, I'm fine, thank you, Pastor, how are you? But let me remind you, Christ is above your situation. Nearly done. 
Christ is above your situation. He's above the person that you are worried about. He is above your bank statement. He is above your employment status. He is above your future. He is higher than all things. And for whatever reason, whatever is happening in your life right now is happening. But he's above it. It doesn't change who God is. God remains the same. He remains high above all. But I've still not answered the question. How can Christ being above all make a difference in my life? in my circumstances. And I want to give you two reasons why Christ above all makes so much difference in our lives as Christians. And the first reason is that when you became a Christian, your life changed. Spiritually, your life changed. Your status changed. It, you, your life might not have changed physically, but something profound happened spiritually. And what happened is this, you stopped being a citizen of earth and you became a citizen of heaven. The old you died and God caused you to be born again. So it's goodbye old Dave, hello new Dave, and this is true of all Christians. And Paul writes to Colossian Christians and he says, for, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so if our life is hidden with Christ in God, that means that our life is also above our circumstances because we're, we're in Christ and Christ is above all and we're in Christ. Meaning, and what this means is that our circumstances, whatever we're going through, they have got no right and nor have they got any power to dictate to us how we should be feeling. Our circumstances have got no power to affect our joy in Christ, but we let them. But they've not got any power. They have no power to affect our peace in Christ. They've got no power to affect our assurance of our salvation in Christ. Because where is our life? Well, we've died. And our life is hidden in Christ, who is above all. And Paul also, he writes to the Corinthian Christians saying, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And so we're new creations. The old has gone. So the old you, fretting, worrying about life, letting circumstances steal your life away from you, the old you has gone. And so trying to be a Christian but still hanging on to the old you doesn't work. It, it jars. It will never work. You're a new creation. And so non-Christians, unbelievers, are completely caught up in their circumstances, in their life. And if life is going well, great. But if it's not going well, bad. Their circumstances rule their life. But who rules our life? Does our circumstances rule our life? In some cases, unfortunately, it seems to. But who really rules our life? Of course. Jesus is overall. And so whether our circumstances are great or what we would view as terrible, Jesus doesn't change. He remains overall, and we remain, as Christians, hidden in Christ. And so that should affect where we look. And we shouldn't be looking towards our circumstances. That's called worry. And worry creates anxiety. And anxiety draws us away from Jesus, because then we're looking at our life, we're looking at our anxieties, and that's not good. Instead, where should we be looking? The, the right answer to every question is Jesus, by the way. <laughs> Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who've been through the same things that we're going through, let us also lay aside every weight 
and every sin which, sing, which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the, foundate, found, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So how can Christ being above all make a difference in my life? By us looking to him. By us wrenching our eyes off of our worries and anxieties and life circumstances and fixing our eyes onto Jesus. By laying aside every weight, every sin and running this Christian life with endurance, not giving up, keeping going. You know, our lives are set out before us and nothing that happens is a surprise to God. Nothing. He knew it would happen because he knows everything. And for whatever reason, he's chosen at this moment not to take this circumstance away from you. Have you tried asking him to take it away? Try, try that. Do pray. But sometimes he allows us to go through these things. He allows it. And sometimes we don't know why he is doing it. Sometimes we do. You know, there's a certain amount of refining that takes place when we go through trials so it's a way that we, we, God grows us as we go through difficult circumstances. We learn more about him as we learn to trust in him and rely on him. But above all, we must look to Jesus and never take our eyes off him. Because he's our ultimate example. He endured the cross. He despised its shame. And the resurrection power of God raised him to life and raised us, raised him to the right hand of the throne of God. And as I said right at the start, this resurrection power that did that is for us who believe. This resurrection power of God can strengthen us. Who needs strengthening by the power of God? Just a few of us. Oh, okay. It can keep us going, but we must look to Jesus. We can take refuge in him. We can find our strength in him. He's our very presence.